I just wanted to wait until uh, all of our young people went out. I know that there's quite a lot of anxiety uh, amongst our young people and children because of what's happening in Russia uh, and Ukraine. And um, I actually had a conversation with a man in Tesco's this week, uh, which, which made me decide that this evening at our evening service at seven o'clock, um, I'm gonna look at what Jesus says about the end times uh, from Matthew 24. Um, he was very concerned, very worried, and I don't even think this man is a Christian, but yet he had questions about the end times based on what's happening uh, in Russia and Ukraine at the minute. So this evening, we're gonna look at Matthew 24 together, the start of it, and um, I just encourage you to come out and hear what Jesus says about the end of time. But let's pray now as we come this morning to look at Acts 13 and 14 together. Lord, we thank you for the, the book of Acts, this book of history which tells us about the beginning of the early church. And Lord, we thank you that this morning you want to speak to us through it and teach us things as your church today. So Lord, as we come to look at this part of the Bible, would you speak to us and would you give us ears to hear your voice in Jesus' name, amen. I wonder, do you know any very determined people? Do you know any people who are really, really determined? You know the attitude of determination, you know what that is, isn't it? It's the attitude that says, I am going to get the job done no matter what. No matter what comes my way, no matter what hurdles I face, no matter what obstacles come my way, I am going to get the job done. Are you a determined person? Do you know some people who are? One man from history who I think was one of the most determined people who has ever lived is Martin Luther King Jr. He was, lived a, a, a fair while ago and in the land that he lived in America, at the time that he lived, African Americans were really discriminated against. They were treated as less than human. They weren't allowed to go to schools with white people. They weren't allowed to be on the same bus as white people. They were discriminated against in an awful, awful way. But Martin Luther King, he had a dream. And you will have heard that dream in that famous speech he gave. And his dream was that one day in the United States of America, that his children would be evaluated on the content of their character rather than by the color of their skin. And he started a movement, this movement for civil rights. And this movement, it was going to be different from every movement of the past because this movement, there was going to be no violence in it. He was going to debate publicly. If he was attacked, he was not going to retaliate. He was going to lead peaceful protests. And it was difficult because he was attacked numerous times. He was thrown into prison. He had threats made against his life, but Martin Luther King Jr. was determined. And right until the moment he was assassinated, he fought for the equal rights of his people. He was determined. And what was it? Why was he able to keep going? Why was he so determined? Why was he able to, to jump over obstacles and ploy through barriers? It was because what he felt called to do was vitally important. It was important. It was a big deal. It was vital. It was vital. 
in his mind. And so whatever came his way, he kept on going. I wonder, have you ever been determined to do something and then just kind of given up whenever it got tough? I have. I've been determined sometimes to get very fit and then I've gone to the gym and realized it's quite hard work and I've given up. Too difficult. Or I've determined to lose a bit of weight and eat a bit healthier and again, I've started off, you know, it has to start on a Monday and Monday's a great day. Then Tuesday's busy and it's just too difficult to eat healthily and I give up. Now, why is that? Why do I give up on those things? It's because I don't really think they're all that important. I don't think it's all that important that I'm really fit. I don't think it's all that important for me to lose five or 10 pounds. Maybe you think otherwise. (laughs) But it's not all that important. So I'm not really, really determined to do it. But when something is vital, when something is a matter of life and death, when something is really, really important, It's a different story. Then I am determined and then nothing will get in my way. My guess is that there are things in your life that you've started out determined to do and because they're not important, you haven't done them, but then there are other things, aren't there? And they are important and come what may, you're going to do them. Well, this morning as we dig into Acts chapter 13 and 14, I'm going to suggest that we as the church and we as Christians have a God-given job to do and that this job is vitally important, that this job is actually a matter of life and of death and that this job is something that we should be determined to do no matter what obstacles we face and no matter what gets in the way. And we see the job at the beginning of Acts chapter 13, verses one to three. Martin Luther King Jr., he felt that this call to civil rights was a God-given task. And here in Acts chapter 13, verses one to three, we see God giving Paul and Barnabas a task that we as the church are to carry on today. Let's have a look at verse two together. It says that while they were worshiping, so that's while the church were gathered together, worshiping the Lord and fasting, The Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. Here in Acts 13, Barnabas and Paul are given a mission. They are given a mission by God. They're given a task by God. And it's a really, really important mission. And it's the mission of evangelism. It's the mission of telling people the good news about Jesus. And as we'll see in just a moment, it's that they were to go to various towns and villages and they were to be intentional about telling people about Christ. That's the mission they were given. To go and be really intentional about telling other people about Jesus. You might not have noticed uh, as we've journeyed through Acts so far, you might not have picked this up, so let me just highlight it. So far in Acts, we've seen Christians telling others about Jesus, haven't we? We've seen it quite a lot. But you know what? So far in Acts, it's just been kind of ad hoc. It's just been as opportunities have arisen. 
You know, Paul's gone to the synagogue. He happens to be in a town, and they invite him to speak, and he gets up, and he ad hoc tells people about Jesus. Or the Christians, they're in a new place, and they're making new friends, and they start talking, and they just ad hoc tell people about Jesus. But here is something new. Here is Paul and Barnabas being told to go to other places with the one purpose of telling people about Jesus. It's to be intentional. It's to be planned. The purpose of their trip that's gonna happen is solely to tell people about Jesus. We've had some really good times in our spiritual conversations workshops. They've actually been a lot of fun together. And in those spiritual conversations workshops, we're being trained for ad hoc conversations. We're being trained how to talk about Jesus in the workplace or with our friends or with our family. It's just kind of training for ad hoc situations. But as the church, we're not just called to ad hoc conversations. We're called to intentional planned out mission, intentional planned out evangelism. And that was, the, that was the mission given to Paul and Barnabas and us today. Now, the next thing we see is if we read through Acts 13 and 14, what we'd see next is we'd see the map. We would see their journey. And the map's going to come up on the screen. And I must say, oh, it's, well, it's a little bit small. So, yeah, that's, that didn't come out as well as I kind of hoped. But it's around 1,000 miles. They go on around a 1,000-mile journey. And remember, there are no flights, there are no buses, there are no trains, there are no taxis. They go off on a thousand mile journey to tell people about Jesus. Can you imagine traveling a thousand miles with no cars, buses, trams, transport? Can you imagine that? Can you imagine doing a thousand mile journey when there's no hotels? When there's no B&Bs, when there's no electricity, when there's no convenience stores, can you imagine how difficult that journey was? And yet they go because they are determined. They are determined to fulfill the mission that God has given them. On their journey, if you read through the passages, you'll see that they do three things. They, They tell people the good news about Jesus. That's the first thing they do. And then they they talk about the new life and they communicate the new life that people can have. And then they start a new community. They start churches where believers can encourage one another to live for Christ. But the main thing we see in this passage is the message. What is their message? What is the message they're bringing as they travel these thousand miles? I wonder what you would say the message is of the Bible is. I wonder what you would say the message of Jesus is. Sometimes I worry because I think sometimes that churches think that their message is the message of morality. You need to be better people. You need to behave better. Sometimes I think that comes across as the message of Christianity and that is not the message. Sometimes I think the message comes across as the message of religion. You need to be more religious. You need to come to church. You need to read your Bible. You need to do more religious stuff. 
But again, that's not the message of Christianity. Sometimes I think it comes across as a message of judgment. You're a sinner and you're going to be judged. And whilst that's true, that's not meant to be the main message of Christianity. Have a look with me at chapter 14, verse 3. Do you see there what the message is that they preached? It's called the message of grace. Paul and Barnabas, as they traveled on this thousand-mile journey, the one message, the main message, the clear message they preached was a message of grace. Um, whenever I first became a Christian, um, a few of my mates did at the same time, and we began reading books. Uh, and one of the books my, my friend read, instead of saying God, it used the, the Hebrew word Yahweh. And he was a new Christian, he read it, and he said, mate, he says, I don't understand this book. It just keeps saying Yahweh the whole way through. And it's funny as well, because whenever I became a Christian, I heard this word grace, 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 heard lots about grace, and I thought, who's Grace? <laughs> Who is she? Couldn't find her in the Bible. The word grace is not a name in the Bible. The word grace is the heart of the message of Christianity. And I think the word grace can be explained with this little acronym. God's riches at Christ's expense. The message of Christianity is that you can have God's riches. It's that you can have God's forgiveness. That you can have God's love. That you can have God as your father. That you can have God's provision. That you can have God's protection. It's that you can be part of God's family and that you can live with God's purpose. It's that you can be changed to be one of God's people and have a new life. It's that the habits that you have and can't shake that, that God can help you get rid of them. It's that after death, there is not eternal separation from God, but eternal life with God in his kingdom forever. The message of Christianity is not be moral or be religious. It's be blessed. It's that you can be blessed. You can have God and all of the riches that come from him, but it gets even better. <laughs> it's not just that you can have those, but you can have them at Christ's expense. The message of the gospel, the message of Christianity, the message that Paul and Barnabas preached, and the message that we're to share is that people can have these things and they can have them freely because of Christ. It's that Jesus gives people God's riches for free. In many religions in the world, they believe that it is possible to perhaps have some of God's riches, but to get those, you have to earn them. So you have to be very religious. And you have to be very moral. And if you're not religious enough or you're not moral enough, then I'm afraid, sorry, you can't get to them. 
But the message of grace is completely the opposite. It says that God's riches are offered to you freely and they can be given to you because Jesus has bought them all for you with his blood. He was punished so you never have to be. He was separated from the Father so you can be in relationship with him. All of the riches of God can be yours freely because of Jesus. The message of grace can be summed up like this. You can have it all. And Jesus has paid for it all. And it is free for all. There's no cost to you. And it's offered to all. Friends, this is the the message that we're to proclaim. The message that we're to believe. The message that we're to share. This message of amazing grace. Now here's a question. I mean, that all sounds really good, doesn't it? Yeah. Hope there's no one shaking their heads. Yeah, it sounds good. It's good news. It's wonderful news. It's fantastic news. It's, it's life-giving news. It's exciting news. But you know what? As Paul and Barnabas went and shared this news, they got a whole mix of responses. In Cyprus, when they went there, well, there was no response but indifference. All right, that's the message. Good for you. Indifference. That was one of the responses. Then they went to other towns and they went to Paphos and and finally they had one convert. (laughs) One. They told this news to so many people in Paphos and only one person responded to the news. Cyprus was pretty discouraging. They went to Cyprus and, well, I'm sure it didn't really have the effect that they'd hoped. So what did they do? Did they go, look, I can't be bothered with this. This is a waste of time. Let's go back home. No, they didn't. Because they were determined, no matter what the response of people was, that they were going to share this news. And so they went on. And they went to different towns and different villages and different cities and they kept on sharing this wonderful good news. At the start of chapter 14, we we pick up the journey at a place called Iconium. Uh, And they get a really good first response. Have a look there at verse one. At Iconium, Paul and Barnabas went as usual into the Jewish synagogue. There they spoke so effectively that a great number of Jews and Gentiles believed. Happy days! They shared the message of grace and lots of people believed it. It was wonderful. But it wasn't wonderful for too long because look at verse two. Verse two, it says that some of the Jews refused to believe and stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. Now you see that little phrase at the end. They poisoned their minds against the brothers. That, that is a, a, a word of personal attack. The people who didn't believe and the people who didn't like this message, they were often the religious people. They started to point at Barnabas and at Paul and they started to slander them. They started to tell lies about them. They started to assassinate their character behind their back. 
They poison people's minds against Barnabas and against Paul. I can only imagine what that must be like. And I was thinking about it. Imagine that happened here in this church. Imagine some of you started to slander me and tell lies about me to other people in the congregation here. Imagine behind my back you started to assassinate my character. I would be devastated. I would be really upset. And you know what? I don't think I'd be around too much longer. I would just find it too difficult for that to happen. I think I'd be out of here. And I imagine if I was Barnabas and Saul, I'd be the same thing. I'd gone to a town, I'd gone to a city, and suddenly all of these people are slandering me and lying about me and personally attacking me. And they're telling other people awful things about me that aren't true. I think if I was Barnabas and Paul, I would be out of there. That is a hurdle which I probably wouldn't jump over. I'd probably just take the first ship back home. But not them. No, regardless of personal attack, regardless of having their characters assassinated, have a look what it says they did in verse 3. So Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time there speaking boldly for the Lord. They did not care. They saw it as so vital to tell people in that city about Jesus that even though they were personally attacked and vilified and slandered, they stayed and they spoke boldly about Jesus. That's determination, isn't it? That is determination. But they do leave eventually because it moves on from slander and lies. And if you have a look at verse six, you'll see what happened. There was a plot of food among the Gentiles and Jews together with their leaders to mistreat them and stone them. They were gonna stone them to death. They were gonna accuse them of blasphemy and kill them. And so at that point, they, they leave. Have a look at verse six. But they found out about it and they fled. Now, where did they go? Where did they go at this stage? Again, put yourself in their shoes. By this stage, they've traveled hundreds of miles. They've seen indifference. They've seen people believing. They've had opposition. And now they're being threatened with death. In the area they're in, they're being threatened with death for talking about Jesus. If that was me, do you know where I'd go? I'd go home. <laughs> I'm not sticking around here. I'm away back home where it's safe. I'm away back home where my life isn't in danger. I would be away home. But Paul and Barnabas, they are determined to fulfill the mission that God has given them. And so what do they do? Instead of going home, they go to another town not too far away. Look at verse six. But when they found out about it, they fled to the Iconian cities of Lystra and Derbe and to the surrounding country. And what did they do when they get there? Verse seven, where they continued to preach the good news. They were threatened with death and they didn't go home. They just moved to a different place. 
And then what happens in Lystra? Well, I don't think they could have foreseen this. They must have been pulling their hair out with frustration. They go to Lystra and they heal a man in Jesus' name. And very often when you see healing in Acts, there's a healing to show that these men, that the message they proclaim is true. And so they, they heal this man and they go to tell people about Jesus. But before they have a chance, the people say, the gods are here. The Greek gods have shown up in our town and they go and they sacrifice to them and they bring them wreaths and Paul and Barnabas, they say, no, 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 we're not gods. We're not gods, we're just men and we're here to tell you about Jesus. But they cannot get the message out. The people are just too overwhelmed. They don't get it, they're confused. And Paul and Barnabas, they don't have the chance to really explain the gospel. I imagine they're pulling their hair out. Have you ever had a conversation with someone and, and it's not, you're not even talking about Jesus, okay? You're just having a conversation with someone <laughs> and you're saying one thing and they're listening and they're saying the opposite. It's like they just don't understand what you're saying. It's frustrating, isn't it? You're saying X and they're hearing Y and that's what's happening here. They're not getting what Paul and Barnabas are saying. And yet they stay there and they continue to tell people or try to tell people about Jesus. But then it goes from bad to worse here. Because look at verse 19. We're told there that people come from the previous towns, those who oppose them, and look what they do. Look at verse 19. They stoned Paul and dragged him outside the city thinking he was dead. They get him. They didn't get him in the last place, but they get him here. And they drag him outside the city and they, they stone him. And they leave him because they think he's dead. It's a horrible picture, isn't it? It's a horrible picture. He wasn't dead though. And if you have a look at the start of verse 20, but... We're told that the disciples gather around him and we're told that the disciples got him up. They, they got him up again. They picked him up. Now, if I was Paul, where would I be going? Home. <laughs> but not Paul. Look at the end of verse 20. He got up and went back into the city. He got up and no doubt bruised and bleeding and hurt, he got up and he went into the city again. And he told them about Jesus. That must have been powerful, mustn't it? To face those people who had just done that. It would have been a testimony to them, wouldn't it? Saying, guys, this is, this is so important. It's so important that, that even though I'm bleeding and even though you've, you've tried to kill me, it's so important that I want you to know about Jesus. Let me tell you about him. Determined to share the gospel no matter what. That's what we see in Barnabas and that's what we see in Paul. We see a determination that no matter what comes their way, because this is a matter of life and death for people, they're going to share this message of grace. And you know what's amazing? Despite all of the opposition, despite all of the problems, despite all of the obstacles, look what it says in verse 26. 
It says there, the work they had now completed. They did it. They completed their God-given mission to go to these towns and villages and to share this good news of grace. Friends, I'm not sure that we as the church, and I'm talking about that with the big C, I'm talking about the church as a whole, not just us as a congregation, but, but I'm not sure we're determined to share the gospel. I'm not sure we have that same determination. I'm just not sure we have it. I'm not sure we think it's as important as it really is. I just don't think we've got it. And I think we need it more and more and more because opposition to Jesus is gonna rise and rise and rise and as opposition rises, our determination will decrease. Let's pray that the Lord would give us a real determination that no matter what comes our way, no matter how difficult it gets, that we will be a church who will tell others the good news about Christ. As Paul and Barnabas, as they, as they go back home, so they've done the journey out and they're in the return leg, they, they stop and they, they just say one thing to the Christians who are gathered. And it's this, it says them, I think it's verse 22. They say to the Christians, we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. And what I think that message is saying there, it's that as Christians, we need to be determined people. Determined that we're gonna live for Jesus. Determined that we're gonna keep going in our faith. Determined that we're gonna live for Christ and determined that we're gonna share him with others. But as I thought about that verse, there was something else that came to my mind. And it's this, and it's a slight rephrase of it. And I think it's this, we must go through many hardships for others to enter the kingdom of God. If we're gonna see our neighbors enter the kingdom of God, if we're gonna see people in this community enter the kingdom of God, if we're gonna see our colleagues enter the kingdom of God, then we must go through many hardships for that to happen. The mission of God is not a walk in the park, unfortunately. It's like a walk through the trenches. It's a walk through a battlefield. It's difficult, it's hard, it's dangerous at times. But it's vitally important and one we must do for the glory of Jesus and for the good of others. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, you know that we can be determined as Christians but that determination can soon fade away. Father, I pray for those here who have been determined to live for Jesus in their daily lives but are finding it hard. Would you rekindle that determination again? Father, for those here this morning who've been determined to know you better through reading your word and praying but who have lost their way, would you rekindle their determination again? For those here this morning who have been determined to, to share the good news with the people they 
spend most of their time with in work or in university or in school, but have lost that determination, would you rekindle it again? Father, we, this morning we recognize that determin alo determination alone will, will not accomplish these things. We need your power and your grace and your help. But Lord, we recognize that we do also need that attitude. So grant it to us this morning, we pray, as individuals. Grant it to us this morning as a church family. And grant it to your church all over the world that we would be determined to make Jesus known no matter what. We pray this in his name. Amen.